Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody, Mike Moynihan here and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. And I'm so happy that you're here and I'm really happy that you're listening to this episode because I really love doing deep dives into different topics around the hobby. I love doing deep dives into different years and Andy and I did 1953, I think back in episode number four. So if you never listen to that or watch that on YouTube, Go back and listen to that. I love just getting into the intricacies and the nuance of our hobby because there's so much of it out there that it's just so much fun to learn. And by doing those deep dives, I get to learn a lot too. Now, ironically, this is going to be a topic tonight that I really don't have a lot to learn about. And I don't mean that to sound cocky. I mean it because I literally wrote the book on it and... That'll make sense here in just a little bit. But I wanted to go deep into a PSA set registry. And the first one I wanted to do, and this will be a series, an ongoing thing that we do on these podcasts on the Golden Age of Cardboard, because there's so many cool ones out there. And I love talking about them and all the different uh, ways to attack them, all that great stuff. So much fun. And I'm a registry addict, you know, self-proclaimed registry addict. And I wanted to go through one of the set registries that's near and dear to my heart that I that I really find uh, enjoyment in and really love collecting. But I didn't want to do it by myself. And no, Andy is not here tonight. But I did bring another friend of mine on to talk about this set because he too has an appreciation and love for this set registry. And here he is, Mr. Kevin Jones. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Hey, Mike. Good to be here. Real happy to be here. Well, I I know you uh, really love talking about, well, the hobby in general, for sure. You have a great YouTube channel, um, but, and you can talk, we'll let you talk about that here in a minute, but I know you really love this set and the, the set, I'm just going to go ahead and get it out there for everybody, is the last top issue Hall of Fame set. And what's cool about set registries is for me anyway, certainly I'm competitive. So there's certainly some competitiveness, right? You want to be kind of number one or whatever, but it gives you a checklist. That's also a really cool thing about a set registry. And you can just kind of track it, keep everything online, one central database. It's, it's pretty handy, but this is a set uh, that doesn't lend itself to that. And we're going to get into that Kevin here in a second. But uh, have you have you you've heard me tell you the story of how this set came about, haven't you? 
I'm not I'm not sure if I'm familiar. I'd, I'd love to hear that story, or at least get refreshed on it. Sure. So, you know, I loved the idea of the last card of a Hall of Famer. First of all, I love Hall of Famer stuff in general. And what's really, really neat about the last card, as you're well aware, is you've got usually they're in a quirky uniform, right? They're correct. Some, you know, they're finishing out the string with, you know, some esoteric team that you're they're not known for for the dominance of their career. And so you have that part of it. And then you when you flip the card over, you get to see their entire career laid out in front of you in numbers. And when I was a kid, reading the back of the baseball card was part of the fun, right? You wanted to look at all the different stats and all that. And so that last card, I think, is kind of that final tribute to a player's career. And so I I started making a – there wasn't a set registry when I started collecting this set. And so I started – I made a spreadsheet, basically, about it. And – submitted it to PSA, which is you, anybody can go out there and submit a set for consideration for PSA to add as a set registry. They denied me. Nope. Sorry. And I kind of kept pressing. I, I wasn't willing to take no for an answer. I didn't think that was a good answer because it didn't make sense. Like, why wouldn't you do it? What's, you know, not like it's hard. Well, maybe it is, I guess, but ultimately they relented, but they, they made a tweak to it. And uh, they made it the last Tops issue of the Hall of Famer. So it's essentially a post-war set, right? Because Tops started in 51. And so you've got this post-war set. Kevin, what do you love about the last cards of Hall of Famers? Well, I, like you, I think I really like the, the stats factor. Um, <clears throat> there's a great variety as well of different eras and different years and um, and seeing the guys in different uniforms, uh, one of the favorite cards of my set is the 1976 Tops Billy Williams in an A's uniform. It's just a great looking card. Now that would be a card I probably would never consider seeking out unless having kind of a driver like this set, which when you begin to lay it out and see everything in context, is, is it's quite a beautiful project. And and a nice reference for us analog guys out there in this digital world to get those full stats and weird uniforms and some nice vintage cars that are affordable. It's fantastic. Yeah. The, the price factor is another huge issue that makes this set so much fun is you're not dealing with rookie cards, which are second year. Or, and, and so they're incredibly affordable, even in mid to high grades most of the time. Right. So that makes it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's was when I got started in the project, you know, it was really nice to be able to find some of these cards in higher grades at very, very affordable prices uh, for vintage, true vintage cards, which for me is 1981 and earlier. Uh, But uh, well, really 1970, but we, that'll be a different discussion someday <laughs> but anyway it's just yeah it's a very it's a it's a it's a relatively speaking with some big exceptions it's an affordable entry point for people yeah i mean let me just give everybody some particulars out there that may not be familiar with it uh the official name on the psa set registry if you're looking for it is hall of fame players final tops issue 
in the uh, description of the video on YouTube, I'll put a, a link to that set registry checklist and you can go check that out. There's 114 cards in the set. Uh, it starts with 1953 is the first last card of a Hall of Famer. And that is, uh, who is it? Ralph Kiner, Satchel Paige, and Johnny Mize. Uh, Johnny Mize. So you got three Hall of Famers in 53 that had their last tops card. Um, ironically, here's the page right here, just as an example. This is one of my favorites of the set, the Johnny Mize. This I just, Johnny Mize. Such a beautiful card. It's the only one I have, <laughs> but it's absolutely beautiful. I, I, the 53s are gorgeous. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the 53s are just gorgeous. And what you said it earlier, and I don't, I hope people caught it, is that pretty much there's a card in every year, like almost every year, there's a Hall of Famer that has a last tops card. And so it gives you this incredible uh, panoramic view of tops history through this project. And it's it's really cool. Uh, the newest card is the 2015 Tops Derek Jeter. I, I don't have to say Tops anymore. We all know it's Tops, but <laughs> the, the Jeter card in 2015 is the is the most recent Hall of Famer card. Um, but Kevin, I want you to tell a little bit about your story about how you got involved in doing this set registry, and maybe a little bit about your collecting background as you tell that story. Well, we'll start with the collecting background because it leads into this registry. Uh, I, my dad got my brother and I the complete top sets out of vending boxes, uh, the blue vending boxes from Tops. Uh, starting in 1977, uh, my dad started getting me the sets in 1982. And so each year he'd present us with the base with the baseball card set, and I'd lay them all out on the floor and I'd sort them and sort of by team and ask my dad about this player and ask my dad about that player. And I kind of put them away and I was done with it. Well, when I was, uh, I guess probably about 11 years old, I went into Walden books and saw this book called tops baseball cards, the complete picture history. And I saw all the 35 years of cards from 1951 through 1985. And it just totally led me to vintage and I would sit on the floor of Walden Books and look at that book until my parents finally bought it for me for one of our road trips, uh, family vacations, you know, as a kid. And so I had a great appreciation for the vintage stuff and then collected uh, the modern stuff, but always vintage, too, when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. And then, like most kids around 1992, uh, the hobby was changing a lot. I was a teenager. Uh, I just kind of dropped the hobby cold. Always hung on to everything, but pretty much stopped collecting. I had some brief returns to the hobby in like 98 and in the mid, early, mid 2000s, 2004, 5, 6, kind of in there. But again, it just kind of faded away. And, and I was actually in the process of selling a lot of stuff uh, over these past few years, kind of. Was just done with the hobby, and then I was watching a YouTube. I, I I liked to watch the Mike Mike Oz YouTube videos of like people opening packs of cards, you know, like, and so I enjoyed those. And uh, 
through Yahoo Sports, I think he does those. And then your video, and I, I like to watch packs getting opened up, uh, like old junk wax. And then your video came up as a recommendation, and I watched it. The, the last card of the Hall of Famers video came up. And honestly, if that was the switch that flipped me on to kind of starting collecting again. That was probably in March of 2019. Um, I have no idea why I got back into it, especially because I was in the process of selling everything. But I'm fully committed now, and uh, it's just it's fantastic. And, and that was the project that got me back into it because of its affordability primarily. And it just seemed like it was kind of fun to focus in on something like that too. That's awesome. Uh, warms my heart to think that I can have any influence like that on a fellow collector to <laughs> fall in love with the hobby again through anything, you know? Uh, that's, and, yeah, man, that's the true story. It, that it, uh, uh, Just seeing that and, and just how cool of an idea that was. I'm like, that's a really good idea. And for me, it helps to, for me as a collector to give me some focus, which I like as well. Well, speaking of focus, I told you PSA, when they made the registry, they only included tops cards. And that kind of disappointed me a little bit because when I had done my own research to create this spreadsheet that ultimately I published out in the public, right? That's how you found it, Kevin, right? I said, I had a link on a video. I kind of put it out there in the world. Like I've went, I've gone through and found the last cards of all these different players, which was, by the way, awesome to i mean it was so much fun to research and figure it out and yeah i think you attached your spreadsheet uh to your to your youtube video on that and then i downloaded it it was just uh away we go you know yeah yeah it was great the sad part about only only doing tops and i kind of get why psa did that it's something that's easy to track and maintain it's it's a lot less work for them you know uh Part of me thinks that's a little bit on the lazy side, but hey, whatever. Uh, at least there's something on the PSA registry. But kind of that true last card Hall of Famer would include Bowman cards. And in the more modern era, there's been a lot of examples of guys having a last card that's not necessarily a tops card, right? Um, the earliest one, I think, is what, 50 Bowman uh, Luke Appling, right? Don't you have one of those? Yes, uh, well, the yeah, 1950 Bowman Luke Appling, um, which is a great card because he's one of those players that he doesn't really have a lot of cards because he played primarily in the 30s and 40s when they weren't making a lot of cards. And, you know, it's great uh, to, to have something like that. Uh, Lou Boudreau, another player, not a, not a famous Hall of Famer, but still a Hall of Famer nonetheless in the 53 Bowman Color, which is a, a just an absolutely beautiful card. Um, and, and also probably the biggest omission on the tops on that list uh, is, is the 51 Burke Ross uh, Joe DiMaggio, which is uh, not the best looking card, but it's still a really cool card. I've, I've had my eye on that one for a while. I just got to find the right one. Yeah, I've been looking for that one, too, to add it just because uh, it doesn't fit in the registry, but it fits into, like you said, our kind of way that that project i think should really look um so yeah the dimaggio the boudreaux yeah like boudreaux doesn't even have a tops card because 
or maybe he has a 51 or something or 52, but maybe one of those red backs or blue backs, but I am not actually know sure. he wouldn't. Because if he did, it would be included on that list. Because that would be his final tops issue, right? I guess. Yeah, you're right. You're so, right. So that yeah, there's there's plenty of examples. We just mentioned one as we were getting ready to talk about this. Is let's say Mike Schmidt. His last tops card is 89 tops, but yet, right there is a <laughs> 1990 Donruss, uh, great card, um, cheap card. Again, these are not. You know, you don't have to spend an arm and a leg on a lot of these. But uh, uh, yes, aside from a, you know, maybe getting a Griffey or a Bo Jackson or something, the Mike Schmidt 1990 Donruss. That is about the only reason I would ever have a need to uh, to, to get one of those. And then when I when I got it, oh my gosh, it's absolutely just a beautiful card. Those those 90 Donruss spruce up well in the PSA slabs. I got to tell you, especially in a ten. They spruce up real well. And that was kind of a tribute card because on the back, it's got his stats laid out a different way than I think most of the players. And it's just really cool. Uh, you have... Do you have a valuable card collection but you put zero effort into storage? Do you keep your cards in a box like this? Or like this? Something like this? This? Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> What are we doing here? You need Pastime Marketplace. Pastime Marketplace is the Mercedes-Benz of sports card storage. The cases come in a variety of sizes. They're waterproof, airtight, dustproof, and extremely durable. If you care about your collection, visit PastimeMarketplace.com and treat your cards to the storage they deserve. Don't forget to use discount code BENCHCLEAR to get 10% off your order. God, there's I so think many Stargell is one that has like a Fleer card. He has a uh, Donner yes. and a Fleer in 80. His last tops card is 82, I believe. And his last uh, true card, he has an 83 Donruss and an 83 Fleer. Yaz, like you said, has 83 tops in his last tops card, but he has an 84 Fleer. Uh, Johnny Bench, same, same year. Yep. That exact same scenario. Which is, a which is a tough card to find. I've looked for that bench quite a bit, and it's a very, very tough, tough card to find. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. One one of the uh, one of the ones that I have that's kind of hilarious. Talking about some of the more modern guys, is, and I don't know if this is on your registry or whose registry, but I ended up picking up the 2001 Topps Heritage Harold Baines for his Man. last card. And I thought that that was kind of a cool one, but there could be a little bit of, uh, it's, it's some subtleties on, on what actually is the last card uh, when you're not looking at just strictly tops. And that is another thing that just adds to the variety and makes the set so much fun. And it also, you can see where that would give angst to, uh, you know, let's take Stargell. He had a Donruss and a Fleer which one do you include on the registry, you know? And so just saying it's their last tops card makes that kind of decision for you. If you're going to be a registry pursuer, I, I'm not saying there's a wrong way to do this set. I'm just, it, I can kind of see PSA's point of view. I don't necessarily uh, follow it completely. Cause like you and we both kind of do it 
what we think is the normal way, which is buy their last card, whatever. They yeah, are. I want the I want the 1955 <laughs> Bowman, you know, Ralph Kiner in his Cubs uniform or whoever he was playing for then, you know. <laughs> right. Instead of the 53 tops, which is his yes. last tops card, right? So anyway, it's uh there's a lot of cool ways to do this. Um you know, let's let's talk about some other key cards in the set. If we start you know, early on, you've got. We, we mentioned the fifty threes. Yeah, I call them. I call them tent pole cards. Is kind of kind of the way I like to describe them when I'm when I'm kind of showing the set. And there's definitely some big key cards that that can get expensive and and have definitely in the last six months shot up a little bit for sure. But yeah, uh, and that's yeah. probably. Don't you think that's more of a product of all vintage kind of you know going up? Not necessarily people are not out hunting for these last Hall of Famer cards, I don't think. I do feel like I've sensed a bit of an interest in this set. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm tracking it so closely. Uh, but uh, I think just, yeah, the rising tide lifts all boats. So everybody's, you know, just flocking to whatever they can because, you know, everything is exponentially growing by the by the minute uh, these right. days, you know. <laughs> yeah, but there, I'd say there's probably I would say eight to ten probably tent pole cards kind of uh, of of guys in this set that are just you know amazing and some of them are kind of tricky. Uh, let's let's talk about them. Let's talk about the eight. To ten. Who do, who do you got on your eight to ten? I'd love to discuss. Well, I think I think obviously fifty three Satchel Page. I mean that's a rookie and a last card. Uh, that's his only tops card ever, and that is absolutely fantastic. I could kind of kick myself for for passing on really nice fours and fives last year at this time. When I look at the prices now, uh, I mean that's just a great card. That's probably one of you know the all time tops. I'd say probably all time top forty tops cards is that satchel page. That's you know that's a big one. Uh, that yeah for sure. Just to correct you, that's not his rookie, just so you know. Oh, that's, uh, that's for tops, it's his rookie. Yes, right. It's but, his yeah. first top card. It's his first and only, you're right. But he has a 48 leaf and a 48 Bowman. But yes. Um, yeah, certainly that's a tent pole card. I agree. What's the next one? Uh, I would say the 56 Jackie Robinson. Uh, no which doubt. Is, you know, obviously, this card I got, that's kind of hard to see here, but I got this. Uh, uh, this spring, it was kind of, it's now or never is when I, I grabbed it. I'd been looking forever. It has a lot of issues, but just a beautiful card. It's the only Jackie Robinson card I've ever owned as a collector. I never had one as a kid, um, and I just absolutely love that card. Uh, just a beautiful, beautiful card. Yeah, it's a great image of him. Uh, that Yeah. Love it. I think the 56 set is my favorite of that original era of, you know, the oversized tops cards. There's just something about that 56 set. The first card I ever got in this last card Hall of Fame set was the 56 Monty Irvin, which that was my first, actually the first PSA slab I ever got was the 1956 tops Monty Irvin, which is his final card. He's in a Cubs uniform and, uh, just a just a great card, um, but yeah, I think the Robinson's definitely a tent pole card. Um, 
By the I way, I, I sorry to interrupt you. I apologize yeah. for being such a bad influence, making you buy slab cards and all this stuff. You know, I it's funny I, to digress just slightly. You know, I resisted PSA forever. I, I saw what was happening in like around 2004, 2005. I'm like, PSA, this is the way. I looked at my old vintage cards as a kid. I'm like, oh, these are, you know, pretty shabby and, um, you know, and I, that kind of actually pushed me away from, from collecting because I just saw how expensive everything was getting. Um, but getting into the PSA cards, I just absolutely love it. I've done some submissions. Um, it's they, they're really it's great. I totally did a 180 on uh, graded cards and, and I uh, I love them. I love yeah. them. I still get a lot of raw, too, but I but I do I feel secure in buying them as well. Yeah, you know, you got a real card, or at least more likely to have a real card, right? Instead of, and it's hopefully, big. you know, yeah. I mean, they're not perfect, but uh, better than what else we have out there. Okay, what are some other tech yeah. polls that you got on your? I think, I think uh, the '66 Kofax, I think, is a tent pole card. That one is very difficult. Has a lot of issues with centering. Um, but I feel like Koufax is one of those kind of all-time kind of guys. Um, the 63 Musial, a little underrated. I think that's a very underrated card. Beautiful uh, card, by the way. 63s are gorgeous. And uh, with those colorful borders on the bottom, are just they're beautiful. Um, and, and that card, I, I tend to forget about that one. I think actually... I don't even want to say it because people may go fucking buy it, but the 60 Fleer Ted Williams, uh, that's one I haven't looked at in a while. I don't have that one, but I feel like that's a highly underrated card. Um, at least the last time I was looking at it, uh, it, it's a, that's a great card, that 1960 Fleer Ted Williams. That's another one that's different from the tops list. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about Ted Williams real quick. Cause it, first of all, it's a great story uh and and if you know ted williams history with tops it was rocky to say the least but he uh it, it wasn't consistent it's probably a better way to say it and so his last tops card is actually 58 and then after the 58 tops he signed a deal with fleer and in 59 they made an entire ted williams set of just Ted Williams cards of him doing everything from fishing to flying with the army air corps, all, you know, or air force, all these different or Navy, I guess it was, he was actually a Navy pilot. Um, if I remember right. So yeah. <laughs> yes. right. Then, going, going to school. That's a yeah. crazy. Those sets are wild. And then I in love 60 them. Fleer did a kind of all time great set except for one card, which was of a current player named Ted Williams. And uh, it's weird because it's a white bordered, you know, thick white, like ultra thick white bordered card, uh, much different looking than any other card in the set. And so centering is very, very difficult on that card. Uh, it's got beautiful color to it. Red, you know, the main color is red, which of course is great for Red Sox and, you know, it's a it's a really great card, but his last tops card is fifty eight. So that is a huge player that has a you know kind of different from the between the registry and what his true last card was. 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a great card. Um, as far as the other tent poles, I mean, it's it's really the guys you think of the '69 Mantle, obviously, which is another really tricky one. Uh, Mike, I love that you have the the last name in white too. That's that's a great mantle. Uh, you know, the the '69 Mantle is absolutely fantastic. Um, and then I think uh, there's the string of of right in a row of of Clemente, which the 73 Clemente is kind of a haunting card, I feel like. Um, I love the 72 is actually my favorite of all his cards where he's tossing the ball, but the 73 Clemente. 73 Mays is, you know, Willie's showing his age in that one. Uh, the 76 Aaron, which is another one that is quite a doozy to uh, find. You know, that one's got all kinds of issues with centering and print marks and stuff. I'm, yeah. You can tell I get a little picky. Uh, but um, uh, the 76 Aaron, and then really, like, the, to me, it's, and those are, like, the the, the big tentpole cards. And then, like, Feller, I think Rizzuto, in a way, Phil Rizzuto, um, Yogi. Uh, Yogi, I was really surprised. Yogi Berra commands, he's I think still got a lot of hobby popularity. I've been saying that for a long time. Uh, and I, I keep saying it because I keep trying to buy stuff and it's like, really? It's that expensive? You know, whatever. I know. It's, it's shocking. I mean, I was looking at that six, 65 tops is Yogi's last card and he's with the Mets. And I think it says like, he's a coach even. I think he's like a player, player coach on that card. And man, that thing is, it's, you know, you're, you're talking, relatively speaking, uh, eighty to a hundred bucks for a nice copy, and and uh, uh, which that could be a lot of money for some people, and you know, for other people, it, it you know, it's that it, it, Yogi commands a premium. I was really shocked, and yeah. but he's got he's got such great cards, like all across the board. All the Yogis are great. I love Yogi. Yeah, uh, so you mentioned the coach thing. There's a lot of guys' last cards that have that. Warren Spawn, as a matter of fact, his 65 tops with the Mets. He's also listed as pitcher coach. And, man, Spawn looks old in that card. Oh, that's what I what I affectionately dub uh, the big head no hat. Right. You know, those, some of those are, are pretty classic for tops in the 60s of the uh, – the, the big head, no hat cards. I, I love those. Nelly Fox, I think, gets a player coach designation, too. He does. Also yeah. from 65. So, yeah, it's just, it's, oh, it's such a fun. There's so much diversity in this set. Robin Roberts in an Astros uniform. Like, oh, that card is so cool. That 66 tops. I just yeah. love it. One love of my it. favorites is the 71 tops, Ernie Banks. Oh, yeah. Yeah his smile in that picture it it literally encompasses slash you know just encapsulates his entire career of how he loved the game and you see his joy in that smile on that card it's greatness oh that it is such great. it's such a great card and those 71 tops again that's another one that those are just beautiful just beautiful, beautiful cards. And I think that Banks is another what I would consider tent pole card as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just kind of, I have the list pulled up here and I'm, 
you know, looking at some of these cool, like Larry Doby, I think his last card on 59 tops is with the Tigers, you know? I'll tell you a funny story quick with the Larry Doby. Um, so <laughs> it's really not that great of a looking card. It's another kind of big head, no hat type card. And I, I actually at my Larry Doby is a PSA two, but it actually looks really, really nice. The reason that it's a two is there's this tiny, tiny little bit of paper loss on the back. I mean, just a speck, and it knocked it all the way down to a two. Um, you know, I try to do mostly six is about my cutoff point for most cards, five for like a mantle or something. But, um, yeah, it's it's funny, the uh, the Larry Doby. That's, that's the eyes with the Tigers, and it's, yeah, it's just crazy. Love it. And you can really tell when tops would, if a player was with a new team that they weren't accustomed to them being with a lot of the early, especially the 60s stuff, they would just airbrush out an old, you know, they're wearing a XYZ uniform and their new team. They're like, ah, screw it. We're not going to take a picture. We're just going to airbrush that out or yes, take yes. That off and that'll work. No, nope. you know, you know what I what what I think is one of my f underrated gems and one of my favorites of the set, uh, and, and is is the nineteen fifty eight George Kell. Uh, if if anybody gets a chance uh, to look this card up, that's listening, it's just a beautiful card, and these fifty eights they just really have a fifties feel to them. Very like he's. Not, you know, I can think of probably 20 other guys who are as deserving to be in the Hall of Fame as George Kell that aren't in the Hall of Fame. But for some reason, I just, I love, love, love that card. Isn't he on the Orioles on that card or something weird? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful card that, that blue on the back and uh, it's just beautiful. That, that's again, you know, you could tell uh, for all you listening out there, Mike and I, we just absolutely love this set. I'm pretty passionate about it, Mike. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I love that we can share this discussion and I have you on here to talk about this. The last kind of big topic, and we, we'll probably talk about this a little bit. On the newer side, let's say you get into the modern era, let's say post 20, 2005, let's say, even 2000 even. Finding these cards, if you're and if you want to do them raw, if you want to do this set raw, man, more power to you. That's great. Uh, you and I have just decided to do them slabbed, but again, there's no wrong way to do it. Either way is good. If you if you love this idea and love this, want to do this project, but finding the newer cards again, let's say 2000 and newer slabbed, very difficult, right? And when you do find them, very expensive extremely difficult uh, even starting i think in the mid 80s and going forward but particularly with the ultra modern stuff um i was raiding four sharp corners for a while and was having some luck but like pedro martinez super tough tony gwynn super tough ricky henderson which is one i've been looking for since i started this project super tough uh guys like jack morris uh, you know, some of your kind of lesser guys, super, super tough. Uh, the 86 Raleigh fingers, uh, really, really tough. I've been looking for that one. I, I, they're really, really hard. It's really frustrating. 
Um, and then a lot of times these modern ones go to auction and you're battling with other people who I feel like are working on this set. Um, I lost out on Raleigh Fingers to auction. I lost out on the 03 Ricky Henderson. Um, very, it's tough. And it, they're neat though, because I love like the modern ones, like the Pudge Rodriguez. That's, I mean, he's with, I think, the Nationals. Yep. But it's awesome. He's like, I don't know, consoling Sir Scherzer or Strasburg uh, or something. Strasburg. Oh, it's great. It's such a great card. You know, what else you're probably, you know, it's probably c people competing that are player collectors or team collectors. And since there's just not that many out there, you're just, there. there's a lot of holes that that card could fill for different people's collections, not just necessarily last card, last tops card. And so it becomes a little bit of a struggle to find them at a, at a reasonable, because it's a, that's the funny thing. And people think I'm crazy and I'll, I'll, sorry, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but you know, we're talking about 10 cent cards, quarter cards. And to get them in a nine or even a 10, you're talking about 15, 20, $30. And you think Up, upwards of 60 for some, like Tony right. Gwynn. Yeah. And so you're like, well, why would you do that, Mike? And the answer is I'm probably a little bit crazy. That's probably part <laughs> of the answer. But yeah. I, I even thought that I'm like, this is ridiculous. This this is a quarter card. So what I did is I went through and kind of just looked at all the different holes that I had in it. And by the way, in terms of completion, I only need one card. <coughs> Sorry. Excuse me. Uh, which one? I need the Ted Simmons, I think, which is 86, maybe? Like 88, 88 tops, maybe? Or 88. Uh, no, that Don Sutton's in 88. Hall of Famer Don Sutton, everybody's favorite. Uh, yeah. Whichever. Anyway. It's um, challenging though because I mean you could like try to submit one, but it's going to cost you twenty bucks to submit one. You know, it's like that's kind of the rub, right? I mean, I went on I went on to Sport Lots on all the ones I there were thirty or so that I was just kind of like, God, this is stupid. This is a literally on Sport Lots you can buy it for eighteen cents, and so I went and bought four or five of each of them and spent, you know, uh, per card I spent a dollar you know, to get four or five copies of it, hoping that one was good enough to send in. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up submitting them all. Sometimes I would submit two, just hoping I could get a better grade. Like I just did a Adrian Beltre as an example. I just submitted two Adrian Beltres because he's going to be a hall of famer. And mm -hmm. I, I'd rather be ahead of the curve than behind on that whole thing. And so, because finding those cards slab, like who's going to slab a 2018 Adrian Beltre? And that's the whole point. Who wants to slab a, you know, 2007 yeah. Craig Biggio? Like, right, right. That's, that's what's so challenging. And so I did that and I was able to fill all the holes, uh, which was great. But I had to do that because what's funny is when I, I bought a Roy Halliday, this was what got me to do this. Uh, I think Halliday's last cards, what, 14 or? Uh, let me look. Um, Roy Halladay's last 14 tops. There were literally, there was one out there. And when I looked it up on the registry, it was the only one graded. Like, not just 
none higher. It was literally the only 09 tops or sorry, 2014 tops. Now that has soon or has since changed because when I did this, when I was first this genesis of this idea, I was trying to find some of these and uh, the holiday was one I found. I was like, well, crap, I can't go get another one. There isn't another one. And that was like, well, that sucks. And uh, I bought it and I paid again, a 10 cent card that I paid $25 for or something crazy. And it's only a nine. It's not even a 10. And, yeah, I think uh, I did that with the Vladimir Guerrero. I think I got a nine in that 2011 tops traded, you know, yeah. of course, which is the famous trout set too. And uh, I, 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 it was kind of like, for me, a lot of times I'm like, it's now or never. I mean, I was looking at a 10 of that card initially and the person wanted $90 for it. Like, are you, I don't even really like Vladimir Guerrero, you right. know, like personally, I'm like, it's, it's and like the funniest one, Mike, on, on your list, on your non tops registry list is the 1995 victory Jack Morris. I'm like, yes. I don't think I'm ever going to find that card. <laughs> no. And you'll have to submit it. And if you, you know, you can, uh, and that's the rub too. I mean, you're still buying a 10 cent card putting anywhere from 15, let's say to $20 to get it slabbed. It's still not worth that. Like really, like, let's just be honest. It's not to get, worth a, to get a five. Yeah. yeah. And you might get a five and then you're like, well, this sucks. And yeah. then you'll have to do it all over again. And the point is don't do it unless you love it. Cause you're going to put a lot of money into it. That is sunk cost. Like it's gone. You're never going to see it again. Cause the cards aren't worth that. But, it, I did it just because I loved seeing them all together, and oh. I, need, I need to do a showcase of all those cards. Or have I, I can't even remember if I've I, done that. But I did a I did a year one progress video on my uh, on my YouTube channel, um, uh, and it's, it's just amazing to see them all laid out. Uh, it's like a huge tops retrospective with some junk wax era cards thrown in there for good measure and it's just beautiful it's so much fun so much fun i love it i've definitely slowed down on it a little bit as like we were just talking about some of the stuff is the newer stuff is challenging to find and i got to just find the right ones of the few the big guys that i have left are page Rizzuto, feller um the Williams from Fleer and then the DiMaggio from Burke Ross. I'd say those are like the five kind of big cards that I have left. Um, and it's, you know, hopefully next year at this time, I have a couple of those, you know. Well, what advice would you give someone that is thinking about maybe starting this project or this set, whatever we want to call it? I think starting off with some of your favorite players who are hall of famers. Uh, if you like some of the newer stuff, look for some of those guys, Griffey, Jim Tomei, Chipper. Um, you can find those around. Um, it's a great way to learn about the vintage hobby as well, though. And there's some cheap guys, you know, George Kell and Monty Irvin and like some, some of those guys. It's just really just kind of explore the registry list and then just you got to start somewhere on it. You don't have to start off with the satchel page or something. You can, you know, get a, or look for a nice Clemente or something. It's, it's, it's very doable and very affordable. 
and it definitely this set fits everybody's budget um everybody's budget you could and it's just it's really fun and wonderful and just a great way to enjoy the hobby which is what i what i i just i look at this as a hobby and i love the cards you know yeah. it's, it's fan, i occasionally bought sell things to fund my hobby uh for instance for this set i sold a Manny Machado Chrome Refractor rookie to buy my '57 Campbell Campanella. I was very happy about that. You know, that's you know, that makes it kind of self-sustaining. But yeah, I think there's something for everybody in this, and even for younger collectors out there who may be listening, uh, vintage is super cool. And you know, talk to your dads or your uncles or your grandpa about you know some of these old players. And, and learn about the history of the game. And this is a great way to learn about the history of the game too. For sure. It's one of my favorite things about this project is the history lesson that you're given every time you turn one of the cards over and start to read. Well, Kevin, uh, as we finish up here, I want you to just tell everybody kind of how they can find you out in social media world, YouTube, etc. Well, it's a little tricky because my 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 YouTube channel name is just my name, Kevin Jones, and there's a million of us out there. Uh, if you happen to be watching this on YouTube, I'm hoping maybe Mike will uh, attach a link at the bottom to my channel, like and subscribe. Um, I just kind of feature pickups. I like to kind of I keep it pretty light. I, I go on rants occasionally, but my my channel's pretty light, so it's uh, Kevin Jones on YouTube and that is definitely the number one place to find me. I love to respond to comments. I love to engage with people um, in the comments and, and keep it fun. Uh, you can occasionally find me over on Blowout uh, in the Tops 20, Project 2020 forum. Um, and feel free if you see me over there at Kevbo Jones, uh, feel free to send me a message and we can, we can connect uh, through Blowout as well. So, yeah, that's, that's the best way to find me. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on here. And we have this shared passion for this set. And I, I just love sharing it with other people. Hopefully other people will be inspired to maybe get this rolling and uh, or at least maybe even a few cards or whatever. But I'm glad it inspired you. And it's a it's a fun project. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, Mike. And I'm just so glad you're doing a vintage card podcast like there's just there's there's it's it's so wonderful to, to talk I, I i could talk vintage all day and thank you so much for having me on i love the podcast you bet man well everybody out there thanks again for listening um make sure you if you haven't listened to the other other episodes go back and uh, check them out i think you'll enjoy it really appreciate everybody y'all have a great week and keep collecting <laughs>